Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to What's the Schemata, the monthly deep dive into schema therapy. And as always, we are very lucky to have a guest on our program. And today we have... Dr. Christoph Luce from Dusseldorf, Germany. Um, welcome to the show, Christoph. Thanks so much, Chris and Rob. It's an honor to be with you. Welcome, Christoph. So, Christoph, your um, expertise is in using schema therapy for children and adolescents. Um, you're doing a number of workshops um, online and, and with us in, in schema therapy um, training Australia, and and hopefully in the next you know year or two coming down here, but we'll talk about that later. But um, I guess today's focus is on schema therapy and um, its application for children and adolescents and integrating the work into families and this sort of stuff. So, did, is there a way that you got into the schema therapy? work like you know how did you get into um how do you meet the model well actually i'm trained in cbt and when you work with children and you apply cbt techniques you get pretty easily bored so the children are yawning and it's really something from the adult area so you can notice children need something else so not too much talking they simply want to play they want to discover the world and they don't need another teacher or person who's telling them what's right, what's wrong. They want to find it out. And this is what I noticed in my therapy is that I was always yawning. I don't know if you know that <laughs> when talking to a client, a client is talking to you, but you are so bored because you yeah. notice something is wrong. Yeah. You know, detached protector modes. I don't have to tell you, you are experts in that. So we notice that a lot when we work with children. So it needs a different approach than usually in CBT. This is yeah. how I got to this topic or this approach. So as a natural extension to your CBT work and then yeah. running into schema and thinking about the implications. Exactly, exactly. So it's, yeah, from our point, the third wave, we would say badly necessary actually for these young clients because they need really something else than just a compromised uh, yeah. adult approach. They are different clients and they have different needs. So this yeah, is yeah. actually we uh, have to realize. Mm. Uh, can I ask you, Christoph, because um, it's something that popped into my mind, I often think about the developmental phases and yeah. this kind of happy child need and you mentioned playfulness, so this is why I bring it up now. But exactly. um, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but the way I always think about this is that there's a, there's a phase of development where uh, the the prominent healthy mode of the child is is coming through play and spontaneity and and this kind of joyful state. Um, can you speak to that? I mean, for me, there's this you know if if the adults have like a healthy adult mode. Yeah, children yeah. Are, are coming into the world with a happy child. Of course, they come with a happy child. They also have the vulnerable child. But I'm I'm really convinced that they also have this kind of healthy adult mode, which we call clever mode, clever and wise mode. So this is actually how we call it. 
And we see really in young children, so newborn children, even they are pretty smart, pretty clever to get the attention and the connectedness to their main caregiver. So it, probably you know the uh, still face paradigm. And you know the child is still uh, not one year old, but it's pretty clever to get the attention and get the mother's attention back. So we can see that in many places that even young children are pretty smart, pretty clever, and following their own clever and wise mode. And so far they are happy, but they are also pretty clever according to the age. Yeah. Oh, that's so, very interesting. So what would you say is the, the primary differences when you're using yeah. schema therapy for children and adolescents compared to the, yeah. the, the traditional model in the adults, you know? Um, yeah. You know, are there meaningful differences between the approach as applied to children and adolescents? Of course, there are many things which are similar, where we learned a lot from you, individual adult schema therapists, but there are some differences. For example, we start much more in a positive sense. So we try to build up open and positive relationship and spend some time with resources, with strengths, with positive schemas. You're also an expert in that. So we actually want to foster this positive side of the client, of the young, of the child. And this is uh, probably one difference that we take more time to build up relationship by just playing and learning from the client. So we are the student of the child. We learn what they teach us, actually. We need to be open that the child is noticing. We are not only problem-focused and we want to change anything. That is actually the opposite. We want to learn from them what they have achieved already and what they still want to learn. So this is so we are, in the beginning, spend more time on positive, positive attributes. And then, of course, we are trying to do it more playfully. So actually, we are playing the whole session. So and we try to, of course, we are not simply playing. We have a, we have something in the back of our mind where we want to guide the child. Uh, how we want to teach them, but actually, that we are playing, and this play is a main method or the main approach when working with young clients. Yeah. So you're engaging this kind of, um, can I say, happy child, playful mode sure. yeah, in the children. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah, we need that. Otherwise, the child doesn't come back. Or it only comes back because the parents force it. That's bad. That's a bad platform when they don't want and just look on their watch. If they have one or they are asking. So that's a problem, actually, to get into the issue later on. It always struck me, like with my own kids, that educators know this about kids that uh, anything that's worth doing with kids has to be playful you know yeah. from a, uh, this from is a the way age. actually how they learn the play is a is a ground it's a platform it's an approach not to talk talking is for adults children wants to play and also actually it is to abstract so when we use words this is a world for itself it's even difficult for adult clients who are emotionally stuck so they are overloaded too much talking is actually poison so we need more visualization and we need more some time to find it out on themselves mm. 
Jeez, even finger, finger puppets and, and this sort of thing. I've seen seen you. Yeah. Well, tell us more about. Yeah, it thing. depends now. Yeah, it depends on the kind modes. Yeah. 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 So for preschool children, we have actually this big puppet, living puppets, for example, or there are other companies who produce them. And usually, most clients are six, seven years and older, and we use finger puppets for yeah as a represent for the modes. So actually, we use a mode sketch. So we bring in the idea. We are not always the same. We have different sides. And then we provide or we apply these finger puppets as a represent for the inner modes. So we actually bring out what is inside. And then we are both on the same level. So we are co-experts to understand what is on the playground. And I used to have a bit really... of a fear. I used to have a kid, a childlike phobia of of puppets, more more like the ventriloquist uh-huh. kind of puppet. The scary ones, yeah. Scary ones. I think yeah. that might be a universal. I think a lot of kids, a lot of people get a bit spooked. The but child yeah. is actually, yeah, there are many, many different sides. Also the yeah. problematic sides. And we are just, actually, we are like a, a reflecting team. And uh, uh, two experts are actually trying to understand what's on the playground. Happening. Yeah. So, so the child is not the patient. Yeah. That's interesting. It's it's I like how you call it the playground. Hmm. Uh, uh, the mode play map is the playground. Or, or, yeah. 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 So it, it is actually all externalized and that provides some safety, actually. And the child is not the client. So I'm not watching the looking into the eyes and how do you feel this is too threatening actually the child is co-expert and we're sharing thoughts what these puppets would need actually yeah so we talk about the needs and how they feel i'm, I'm really interested in this thread and i'm pushing it a little bit with the playfulness because it yeah. seems to me that you're you're engaging with with a side on purpose uh and in doing that there uh, must be a lot of things going on like you you you're not getting distracted with coping modes because you're getting straight to some kind of mode which is in the moment. Um, the other thing about the playfulness, and I wonder what you think. I always say um, that that most of the of the important things kids learn in life come through play. So very little of of it is instructional, you know. So self information: who am I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. These kind of these kind of important things they're, they're not learned on a whiteboard, right? Right, right, right. Now they and, and they want to find out by themselves actually. So we give them a appropriate stimulation to work on certain questions actually. So we are not telling them, we just ask them or we guide them in a very well sophisticated way, actually, very sensitive, not too much, not too little. So we ask and instruct them in the right direction. So they wouldn't notice actually that is the best way. And what we do with mode work, we also introduce resource modes. That's maybe also a difference too. So we actually build a clever and wise team. So the clever and wise mode is a mastermind. So this is a boss or this is a, the leader of the team. And the team has different resource modes. For example, let's say a football player or the horse expert or whatever the child is an expert in. Uh, doesn't matter if it it is a problem where the child knows something this is an ex this is an strength actually so we use at least three four five resource modes which builds a clever and wise team and this is a manpower so we can use that in a playful way 
as a positive group, as a as a team who actually goes out and tries to influence some other modes which are maybe problematic or which are well in a need to 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 develop in some way. Uh, so and I noticed the also. I noticed the model it's really like schema therapy for children and adolescents seems to seems to suggest there are meaningful differences between those two groups or the developmental phase. Um, can you speak to that? How how things are quite different for the adolescent group? Yeah. So adolescents are a special group. So they are particularly challenging. They are not children. They are not yet adults. So they are somewhere in between, and they have also special needs. But in general, they have a big need for autonomy. So again, they want to be taken seriously, and they they want to be actually a equal partner and so on. So this is a special tricky group of clients. And of course, we are not confronting them with finger puppets, or at least not the male one. The female is more open for that. But in general, we use more cards or we use more material masks or or some some other material. But again, we still visualize a lot because also adolescents actually sometimes overloaded with talk and too much uh, complex ideas. So, so we try to make it as simple as possible and visualize a lot and just have a look on the visualization, try to get into the feeling. Yeah. So, so Rob and me, uh, we mainly work with adults, and, but we are surrounded by children. Um, and I don't know about you, Rob, but over the you know time, the last sort of 12, 13 years, I, you know, increasingly have become more aware of my, yeah, things like um, temperament. You know, I think if I walked into yeah. the role, yeah. you know, a, a long time ago, I would have been, you know, really understating that. How do you see temperament being a you know factor with schema development? You know, and, and I guess in terms of also caregiving, you know, being more aware of temperament and meeting the needs of children. Have you got any comment on that? Or so what we see is uh, actually is a result of many factors, and the temperament is a, a big factor. So we we follow the biopsychosocial explanation model. So. What we see is a result of the interaction between biological dispositions, let's say, so this area of genes and neurotransmitter and so on. And on the other hand is the history or the biography of the need, the need frustration or need fulfillment. And so this psychosocial part. So it's an interaction. It's really important to keep in mind that it's not all psychological uh, explained. We have a big portion, at least, I would say at least 50% is biologically uh, somehow influenced. So, so let's see some disorder specific behavior like ADHD or like uh, OCD or let's say autism spectrum disorders as a big portion of biological disposition. And we try to make the best out of it, but there's no doubt that the temperament or biological factors are very, very important. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's not 100% determining me, and we are using the rest, actually, and try our best to well, 
to meet the needs of the child, no matter what the biological disposition is like. Yep, so yep. it is an important factor. And we also have the family. So let's say transgenerational patterns. So talking about the parental caregiver and about their schemas or wounds or dysfunctional modes. So there are some factors which we try to take into account where we try to explain why is the child behaving this way, actually. Can you say some things about that, um, Christoph? Because it seems that in your approach, uh, the involvement of caregivers and even yeah. maybe, if I'm not wrong, a little bit of a family therapy focus even. Um, yes, yes. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So actually, parents or caregivers are the most important people for everyone, actually, also for adults, but especially for children. So these are the world, actually, usually mother and father. These are the world of a child. So, of course, we need to help and support the parents to understand what their children need. So this is actually the basic idea. When we talk about limited reparenting concept, we understand we are not substituting the parents. We are helping the parent that they can reparent themselves, their children. And in so far, we are actually in close contact with the parents and try to make them understand what do the children need, but also what do they themselves need to give the children what they need. So we are often faced with parents which are emotionally triggered by the mm. problematic behavior of the children. This is difficult. If you are a father, you know, uh, the children can be really challenging and it's no doubt that it is one of the most difficult jobs to be a parent. But nevertheless, if the child pushes an old button or the schema triggers a button of my schema of myself as a parent, then I have a double problem, actually. So to guide the real child, but also to cope with my old experience, actually. So my schema, actually, is here. And this is a double, double, this is an overload, usually, what parents are facing. So we try, we call it schema coaching for parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? So we are looking, we are trying to understand, we are on the side of the parent. So we are not a critic or we are not, I don't know, we don't want to condemn them for having not been good enough. No, not at all. We see what they have done, but we want to help them to find out their emotional buttons. So what might happen that you emotionally over-respond? And this is actually one feature of the schema, the emotional over-response. So if parents are open, encouraged to tell us, yes, this is where I lose my control, or, then we actually invite them to talk about this intense emotional feeling and where it comes from. Usually it comes from their own childhood. So we offer them a more emotional-based counseling, you might say, which we call coaching. We try to help them in parenting issues to keep control, to activate their caring and guidance mode. This is how we call this healthy adult in uh, parent and schema coaching for parents. We call them caring and guidance mode. So what does a child need? Children need a parent who can who is caring, who is very appreciative and uh, warm and empathic, but they also need 
the capacity to guide the child and not either or it is they need both together actually so a warm guidance mm. I'm feeling for some parents eh, I'm feeling a lot of compassion coming from you Christoph and I imagine Mm -hmm. that's maybe a trait of yours but also intentional uh in the model uh do you ever get frustrated by the parents because oh yes of course not everyone (laughs) is open for that I'm very frustrated because actually I thought in the beginning, uh, come on, let's focus more, let's help more the parents, and then they can be the therapist, and you know, they can be the the best person, reference person for the child. So, so is it really necessary to treat the child? You may ask. If we help the parent, that the parent understands the children, is it not enough? Mm. I would say both is true. The child usually needs some help in finding out what they need and how to cope with difficult emotions, but also the parent needs. So both are needy in a way, and we are actually lawyer of the needs, of the family needs. So we are looking for the child, but we are also reaching out to the parents' needs, actually. So so you end up up doing some limited uh, therapy with with the parents, actually. Logistically, logistically, how yeah, does it yeah. happen? That's the key thing for me. Because the, the child's not yeah. in the room, right? When you when you're going into depth, exactly, exactly. So we have different sessions. So we have sessions for the child, and we invite the parent. Usually, I ask them, give me five sessions to explain yeah. what we, uh, what what your child will yeah. learn. So it's good for you also to know. And I also want to help you for the most difficult moments at home to find a good way. I'm not telling you are to blame for what's going on or why your child has maybe problems, not at all. But you're sitting in one boat and if one person is shaking, the other per- the other people are also shaking. So it's, it's not a matter of fault that you are the problem that causes a ch- children's problems. Please don't misunderstand, but you are the main, the most important people for your child. And I, I'm on your side. I want to help you to find for the most difficult situation, which makes you so frustrated or sad, or I don't know, whatever, angry, frustrated. Um, and that's, give me five sessions. We usually need 10 sessions plus minus five, but give me five sessions. And then you can decide if it makes sense or if you have some benefit. And so we try to, emotionally engage them and to be open to talk about themselves so not about the children we talk about you this is what you have deserved so i mean in a positive way you talk a lot about your child and what does your child need and everyone is looking at your child but i'm wondering how do you feel and this is this is uh, this is not fair actually because you also you try your best and then you are for some people, the one who's not good enough? No. Please, let's work out a good way how you can cope with the most difficult situations. And actually, you give your best for yourself and for your child. So this is my I really approach. pick up that, I think it's what Rob's picking up as well, is that it's very strength-based. It's very 
cheerleading parents and cheerleading the kids exactly. mm, compassionate strengths versus like when yes, we yeah. met myself and probably robin a lot of people that work with adults it's it's a bit, well, there's a reason there's a, there's a really good reason why i only work with adults yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah exactly yeah hey, christoph you're talking it was looking through some of the, the literature that you've written um when you're talking about the the inner house metaphor and it seems like it's like a, an example of you know explaining yeah. mode work with kids can you tell our audience a little bit more about this yeah. this idea about the inner house yeah tell us about that so the inner house has three levels and the top level is a mode level this is what we usually do we do the mode sketch and for each mode we find a finger puppet or any kind of represent and then we are like on the family board. It's like an internal family system from, you know, from Swartz. Uh, every mode rep is represented by a puppet. Okay, so this is one level. This is standard. And this is what we usually do for children from 6 to 12, let's say. But the question is, what is actually beneath this mode level? So we actually try to lift up this level. So these puppets are placed on a... I don't know, any, any kind of platform. And then we look what's what's beneath, actually. So we have more or less the idea, you would say consciousness of Sigmund Freud, you know, the different layers. We have consciousness on the top, but what's, what is driving these modes? And here we don't have subconsciousness in, in this explicit way. We have the schemas. The schemas are connected to the modes. And the schemas are the result of my life experience. So what we try to visualize are the three layers. On the top is a mode. And the mode is associated or linked to my experience. This is the bottom. So we have playing figures for my experience. And this experience has led to some schemas. So altogether, we have on the bottom experienced who formed the schemas and which are in contact with the modes. So we try to look on a golden thread. How is this mode connected to my life history and to my schemas and create an, yeah, a connection, a better understanding? Why is this mode so powerful, for example? Mm. And this is good for psychoeducation. But we can also re-script, replay, we would say, you know, you're the master of rescription, uh, imagery rescripting. And for some clients, they don't, they're not open for uh, imagery. They don't feel well, or they are overloaded, or they are afraid to get whatever, re-traumatize, and, and so on. So, so here we use the inner house, also for adults, by the way, the inner house to playfully we scribe or we would say we play so we change the story on the bottom level towards a better ending which produces a positive schema and the positive schema influences my mode level so the we are playfully actually we're scripting face to face and while talking but we nevertheless raise issues of the past and we can change we can change stories and that's actually a wonderful way for all those clients who are not open for imagery with scripting. And that's pretty cool. Uh, we can do. 
yeah, you're using absolutely. that with adults as well. Yeah, yeah, we do that. Yeah. Sometimes with parents, if they're open, or with young uh, adults, let's say, or teenager, mm. this would be a typical approach when they apart, are not open for imagery. Apart from doing your whole course, which I'm sure a few people have already signed up and will, um, is there a little resource about that metaphor? Do you have something like a PDF we could share with the listeners? Oh, it's in our book, actually. We have... Um, so that would be the best place know, to go. It's published a- the book, actually. Yep, aptly called um, uh, Schema Therapy for Children and Adolescents. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, by Christoph Luce, t- 2000 and... 20. Yeah. 2020. So that particular metaphor is in there. Yeah. 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 So here you have pictures and uh, a detailed description, actually. Otherwise, there's no publication in a journal but actually i'm just That's wondering okay. off on my website i have a website schema therapy for children dot perfect so there are some some videos by the way or some material so if people are interested yeah there are more resources there yeah 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 um look we're really interested like so one of the things we often get asked about is how do how do you do you know, traditional traditional imagery rescripting with both children and adolescents mm-hmm. thinking about those two groups yeah. you know it, what have you found in your you know in your practice applying something like imagery scripting to those groups yeah so we are generally actually more work when ch- working about the children we are working more with a mode model so we like to have the face to face or we like to be connected and see how's the child responding so it's a little nightmare of us that uh, we trigger the child in the imagery and we don't notice it. So when children are silent and somehow uh, in their world, somehow we are a bit uh, afraid or we are cautious. And so far we are more working with puppets or chairs or masks or mode cards so that we can see immediately how the child responding emotionally. So we're doing uh, imagery, but with children more or less in a positive way. So, for example, we have a, a trip to the clever and wise mode, so an imagery where they get in contact uh, with their clever and wise side. So, and we use this in a house uh, in a more simplified way, actually, for children. For adolescents, they here we are actually um we're having a mixture actually so we want to start actually straight in the situation where what went wrong so we are not building an effect bridge uh we are not starting from somewhere right now what and so on so we go we ask them what is that what comes sometimes into your mind so is there some event where you've been bullied or treated bad can we go straight into the situation and we want to describe immediately so no effect bridge straight into the situation and for young adults actually we we use also that and uh, it works wonderful so and actually we are always in between the parents which might be the perpetrator of any bad experience and the, the problem here is that sometimes the parents are also the caregiver right now so when you disempower the parent in the imagery and 20 minutes later he is picking up the child, it, you have a problem. You see, uh, you, you're somehow, so we are less 
fighting against the perpetrator, we are more protecting. So that's a crucial thing. So, so less we, rebuking, less rebuking yeah. of the parents. Yeah. yeah. So, so we disempower him. We don't allow him to to go on with a whatever abuse or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. Abuse. Yeah. So we are rather protecting. So we are bending over the the child in the imagery instead of fighting. So we are more protector than a warrior, let's say. And this is a, a way how we can transport so empathy and protection and so on, but not getting in too much involved into the conflict with a parent, which might be somehow problematic. Of so it, it is a bit tricky with adolescents. It is a so we need to pay attention. It is a kind of conundrum, isn't it? Because the child may be needing in the image, traditionally we think the child may be needing your protection or your validation or um, these kind of things. So we are looking for the vulnerable child in this imagery. So the the angry or enraged child would tell me, hey, I don't know, kill him or do, do whatever. But we actually more actually connected to the vulnerable child. And what does a vulnerable child need? It needs someone who's there, who's protecting, who's warm, and not necessarily someone who's actually changing the world or, or killing the, the aggressor. So in, in so far, we are actually more focusing on uh, the emotional protection and, and the physical protection, of course, instead of uh, the altercation, embellishing the altercation. It sounds like you're pro providing a corrective experience. So we, having... we don't want to fight in in, in this way. Of course, because, of course. And yeah, so this is a little difference when we work with teenage, uh, with adolescents or young adults. Uh, we are actually we are determined, but um, not what often in imagery are uh, actually and um, uh, very. Uh, how to say uh, very often uh, very rebuking sometimes aggressive very, way yeah. more more confronting way so we are more actually passive. so you might just pause you might just be pausing the parents or something like this something relatively passive exactly exactly so we don't allow but we are not fighting with that yeah. we just yeah. want to save the child this is a focus not so much uh, eliminating the, the aggressor yeah, yeah. But yeah. of course, later on, we try to, uh, you to know, think about what does he need, and, and so on. Yeah. This is a core conundrum, though, right, Christoph? Because often, often the the children are stuck there for some period of time, yeah, right? Yeah. And 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 in Jeff Young's original model, of course, this would we would look about this as a schema maintaining kind of situation. Yeah, so the yeah, child is exactly. developing, but they are receiving, let's say, negative messages, maybe on a daily basis. So uh, that's a big conundrum. Uh, I always thought that we can never quite be fulfilled in that way, you know, when working with adolescents. Um, there's never a perfect solution, right? No. Actually, I'm convinced that children and also adults love their parents because their parents have done a thousand good things. And actually, if we blame now the parents for their bad feelings, what they have right now, or for the inner critic or punitive mode, it is actually understandable and um, 
but it it doesn't make sense in the long run. So we need actually some. Yeah, it is tricky to find a good way, but we don't want to blame the client. You are too sensitive, or you are wrong, and something is defective in you. But it's also not helpful to blame the parents itself actually for all this, because they have a yeah, conflict of loyalty and they more or less love their parents. They don't want to be blame them for. And this is a tricky thing for children, especially or adolescents, but also for adult clients, I think. So, yeah, the loyalty thing is often uh, something to to work on too, even even for adults. Yeah, yeah Chris. Yeah. Yeah. What I like in this context is a positive parenting inventory that uh, John Philip Lewis actually uh, brought out. So where we work out the positive things of the parents, of the adult now, I'm thinking of the adult. Mm. So adults also have conflicts of loyalty and they, they don't want to blame the parents. So if we work out before we come to the problematic side of their own parents in their childhood, we work out the positive things and then so why they are great. And then they are more open to talk more honestly and free about this problematic side. So this might be a way actually to get permission to differentiate the complex uh, parent or uh, parenting of them and the time where they were children and so on. But that's only my my experience, actually. Then, starting again with positive things, open some, provide some avenue also to allow to feel not bad to talk about problematic sides. So, am I getting this right? You're saying that with with children and imagery scripting, you're going in very very cautiously. It's a bit more like even just safe place or strengths based imagery. Exactly. And you'll exactly. be doing any dialogues using either the finger puppets or this metaphor of the house, or yeah. it's a bit more like a historical role play with eyes open. You're not necessarily exactly. going into full exactly. blown, right? And as we're getting towards more adolescence, then you start to play more with imagery scripting that's a bit more traditional, exactly. seeing if exactly. they can tolerate it, you know, these kind of things. Perfect. Summarized. Thank you. Oh, this is exactly. The way. <laughs> <laughs> we have been listening. Chris, so we, we often get people um, asking about the research side of things. Is there yeah. much development yeah. with um, the research evidence? Yeah, this is being... still a problem, actually. Mm. So we don't have these randomized control studies yet, or only very little. I have summarized uh, a list of studies all around schema therapy research, and if someone wants to touch base with me, so maybe you find my email address I sent you. But actually, we, we cannot um, provide this convincing uh, studies or research that makes evidence that we are actually helpful. But let me say this. Most colleagues who are interested um, will be convinced by the inner consistency or plausibility mm. of one step after another. Actually, it's very, very obvious that this is more feasible, um, clients are more open, they have more fun, the therapist also has more satisfaction. And we come much further than if we apply more traditional CBT techniques. So actually, our main argument or positive thing is, 
um, try it and you will see the child is really uh, grateful for this approach mm. because it's less burdening, it's more positive, it's more playful and it's, it's this is what they need actually to come back and to be open mm. for the issues. So yeah. again, we we have a list, but it's um, still limited or in its kinder shoes, so to speak. So we need more. Do you think we'll get an RCT one day? Yes, yes. Actually, we are also collaborating with cli with clinics here in Germany, also Switzerland, and I'm pretty sure uh, we yeah. are on the way. But it's difficult to do some research with children. Mm. So the mm. ethical ethic uh, committees yeah. are very cautious, mm. and it's a bit more tricky. But yes, yeah, of yeah. course, we, it's one a tricky day we place. Will do have. It's a yeah. tricky place, isn't it? Because I think all the clinicians that that get in touch with this model they can see the relevance very clearly uh, mm. and how it makes a step step by step after CBT and integrating yeah. attachment and all these things. Um, at the same time, there's that gap, isn't there? So it's, uh, it's you know, this is where it is at the moment. But um, yeah. it's nice to hear that you you believe that um, we're going to get yeah. there um, soon enough. Yeah. Uh, Christoph, one of the things that really seems to be piquing interest lately of, of folks is this area of neurodiversity and you mentioned earlier asd you know autistic spectrum um adhd How, where do you place that uh, with your kids and thinking about that as an issue um you, i think you mentioned it more within a sort of um, temperamental or biological yes. sort of input yes like this is a big topic a bio biologic it's a big topic but Actually, yes and no, because everyone is an individual and has its needs. We have general emotional needs, and they have a, let's say, special interpretation of their needs. So they, we have to focus really what, what needs do they have according to their biological temperament, but also because of their um, speciality, let's call it this. And uh, this is in general, we are looking what do they need, no matter what kind of disorder they have, uh, or someone labeled that. And here we look for the appropriate stimulation or fulfillment of their, of their needs. And this is valid for all clients, if they have a label or a diagnosis or not. Yep. So, so this is very obvious that a child with ADHD has a special interpretation or, let's say, autistic. So they all have needs, slightly different. So in a way, you're just saying we're all human beings and we all have needs. So uh, let's yeah, start from that. So, let's start from that point. Yeah. So actually, the client is in the center, and we have to understand what what do they need actually, and. Yeah. I don't need a disorder. I don't need a label. When they tell me uh, it's too, I'm overstimulated by all this fog uh, around me, I, I believe him. If he says I'm, I'm bored, I'm understimulated, I believe him then. You need more stimulation. So the client is for me the truth. And I, if I have a good connection to him, I can better understand him and be a lawyer for his needs. So this is actually the central point. We are Lawyers of the child. Lawyer for the needs. That sounds that sounds like a good place to be. Schema lawyer. This <laughs> sounds like a like a title for today. <laughs> hey, Christoph, as well, um, regards to assessment and uh, formulation side of things, are there any particular best me measures for for schemas and modes in children that you typically use? 
Yeah. So we want to have them as a competent partner. So we need an explanation model of what they would understand. And we use more this, uh, we have a case conceptualization, which is more visualized, a visualization of the inner mode, modes of the schemas as wounds. We have a big figure and we integrate that with the ABC model by Albert Ellis and also the need model. So it's an integration, sounds complicated, but it's actually not so difficult. And by the way, I have a video, explanation video on my website. So if you are interested, uh, it's a 20 minute video where I briefly explain the basic uh, steps. We'll, we'll leave all these resources that you've been speaking about in the show notes. But it just, it just as well, like, so the, in terms of actual assessment, there's no question, you, you, you don't feel there's a, a need to use questionnaires or anything like that, or I guess, you know. Yes, we have them. We yeah. have them as yeah. well. But the point is, these issues are so subtle also. Mm. Uh, actually, the problem with the questionnaires is that depending on the connection and the, well where we are in the therapy they are not necessarily reflecting the true feelings yeah. or the truth yeah so it's better actually to be in contact and to really ask some crucial questions and but of course we we have a schema questionnaire for children and uh, eight to is that the, 14 the disc have a, is that the, the yes. disc it, uh, yeah it is yeah. Das, what do you call it Dasseldorf this sort of illustrated uh, schema questionnaire for children. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah. we have a lot of pictures integrated. So the question is actually. Um, uh, yeah, is I have a copy. Major. I can share. I can share it in the show yeah. notes, Christoph. Yes, yes, you can do yeah. that. Yeah, perfect, perfect. It's actually quite nice, but again, the personal uh, contact is much more. Worse. But it's the same thing with adults in a way, yeah. Christoph, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, we have to get the full picture, and and yeah. sometimes those questionnaires can can give us a little bit of data. And but um, now, Christoph, we're gonna, I guess, we're sort of gonna wind down in a moment. So um, thanks for thanks so much for making time and talking to us about your work. And um, but big question: when are you when are you coming back? Um, <laughs> we've all your workshops have sold out uh, for this year, uh, for this coming year. So um, we hope to, to to see you again maybe next year. And um, any plans Ooh. to come back in the future? Yes, I would love to come to Australia or um, well, Europe, whatever. Anywhere in this part of the world. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, we're looking at early next year, sort of mid next year. So, you know, if you're interested. Yeah, in yeah you know, we were talking about to arrange some events. So it's not quite clear, but of course I will be there. And minimum is I would offer online classes, but I would love to also see and present some in person, some some topics. And we are on our track to develop, it will, right? Perfect. It will happen. It will happen in twenty twenty. I keep on saying twenty twenty. I'm at that stage of twenty three, twenty four. Hold on, what year we are? Twenty four. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. yeah. Well, listen, Christoph, thank you for your time today. Um, yeah. If uh, you are, you know, maybe keep in contact with us. We, we, we'd like to maybe speak you, with you again, maybe early or next year or later in the year, just to kind of um, speak to you a bit more about the intricacies of um, schema therapy for children and adolescents. I'm sure, I'm sure we've whet the appetite of folks who wanted to learn more. And, yeah, th uh, it was really lovely to hear, yeah, just to – uh, it was a very, very warm and unique approach, um, Christoph, to working with parents yeah. and 
all that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. that that was really cool. All right. Uh, thanks again for Christoph, thanks, and we'll Christoph. see you guys. See you guys later. See you soon. See you. Thanks so much, and take care. Bye bye.